Well, good morning and welcome to the Automotive Hour. I'm your host, Louis Aldazan, with Mr. Brian Terry. Hey, between the two of us, we'll try to answer any automotive questions you might have. Why don't you go and give us a call? It's 499-9526. That's if you like hunting the letters on the telephone? That's right. You can dial in <laughs> WJBO. There you go. <laughs> but I don't think anybody really likes that. No, I know so, I don't. Least of all me. <laughs> you know, just in case you get a chance to call in from outside of town, we really appreciate hearing from you. Area code is 225. You put that in front of that number, and that'll get you to us from anywhere in the United States. That's right. And today we are giving away our free T-shirt to well, the farthest distance caller. is absolutely again. correct. You just give us a call and let the producer know where you're calling from. And whoever calls in the furthest distance will get an Agco T-shirt. Emailed, well, not emailed. No, I was going to say that. I wish you that, could email them. That saved me a lot of money. Oh, it's, that'd be it's great. About five bucks to ship one of them rascals, but yeah, it'd be great if you could email one. Oh yeah, but it'll get sent to you USPS Monday morning first thing. There you go. That'll be something you can do. And you know, when you get that T-shirt, what we like to see folks do, of course, not mandatory. We like to see you take a picture wearing your Agco T-shirt in front of a local landmark. Send that in to us, and we'll put it on the website. There you go. Kind of entertaining for other folks to look at. Yeah, we'll, we have them from all over the United States right now. Well, all over the world, actually. I've got three guys in India who did some work for us on our website, uh-huh. and they actually asked if they could have a T-shirt. So, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, sure. sure. So <laughs> sent it to them, and they took some pictures in India. And Well, Mir from across the street uh-huh. on Cafe Delphi. Some of the best Mediterranean food you'll ever have. Mir's from Bangladesh. You got some pictures there as well. Yeah, so. got them on the site. I do. And just in case you want to get a question answered and it's after the show goes off the air. Or maybe even next week. That's right. You can always visit the website, which is agcoauto.com. That is A-G-C-O-A-U-T-O. Easy way to remember that's Altazan's Garage Company. That's correct. There's a contact bar on every page. You can use that to send Lewis an email any time of the day or night, and he'll do an answer back within 24 hours and sometimes sooner. That is correct. And we had a little glitch in our contact form that I actually did not receive a few of the emails back last week sometime, so I think that's been corrected since then. So okay. If there's ever a time when you do send an email to me and you haven't received an answer back within 24 hours, something has gone wrong. So just resend it, and I'll get it back to you. I never, ever ignore emails, so don't ever think I'm ignoring you or just didn't care to answer. That never happens. If I receive it, I'd definitely get an answer back to you. Lots of things can happen in cyberspace. Of course, if you type the wrong email address onto the form, then I don't have a way to respond to you. So Correct. it just bounces back to me. But, yeah, if you haven't received an answer back from me in a very timely manner, then just go ahead and resend it to me. And that's very easy because our contact form now will remember the information that you typed in. You won't have to key in your name and address and email a second time. That's good because that's a lot of information to have to retype in every time. It is. And once you go one time, it'll ask you, would you like us to remember this information? You hit yes, and next time you go to the form, it'll already be filled out for you. There you go. Makes it real handy. Hey, while you're on that site, there's tons of other things you can do. Pop around, go to the detailed topic section. Put one in there this morning on how to check a General Motors fuel pump. And the reason we picked a General Motors fuel pump is because probably the failure rate on those is 10 times every other car put together. They're notorious for going out. Well, when I die, I want to come back as a GM fuel pump. There you go. That way I never have to work. (laughs) (laughs) But this tells you how to actually check a GM fuel pump because very often, what because of the bad reputation they have, there's a tendency for a lot of do-it-yourselfers, well, my truck won't start. 
So it must be the fuel pump. So they go change the fuel pump, and guess what? Still don't still start. Won't start. So while it is a problem a lot of times, it is certainly not always the problem. And right. it is a very expensive mistake to make. And it's a very easy system to check. Well, it is. It's easier than most, particularly on the later models. Some of the old throttle body injectors, you have to have an adapter to connect into the line to check fuel pressure. But those are widely available and fairly inexpensive. Right, and there's not that many of them around anymore. Well, that's right. Most of them are pretty much going away. That was the 88 to 97, 90. I think, models. And, well, I got rid of throttle by before 97. I don't oh, yeah, the way exact before. year model. 89, 90, 91, 92. Somewhere in somewhere there. Somewhere in there. Yeah, this article goes into that in depth. And all of the later model ones actually have a fuel check port on them all the way up to 2013. Exactly. There is a test port there, so you don't even need an adapter of any type. Mm -hmm. Just a fuel pressure gauge. And the fuel pressure specification has changed sort of drastically over the years. So this goes into some of that, gives you what the pressure ratings are supposed to be. Uh -huh. And more importantly, what it does, it shows you how to check the electrical side. Because very, very often what I have seen is folks towing a car in and they say, well, my truck wouldn't start. I tested the fuel pressure. I didn't have fuel pressure. So I changed the fuel pump and it still won't start. Correct. Well, no fuel pressure does not mean that the pump is bad. That's right. Because pump may not be running. And when the pump's and it not could running. Be not yeah. running because it may not have electrical supply to it, which could be anything from the theft deterrent system shutting it down to a bad relay, to a bad wire, to a burn connector, to on and on and on and on. And this article goes in-depth on how to check those sorts of things as well so you don't end up with a really expensive mistake. I guess the worst case I've ever seen, we had a fellow who checked the fuel pressure, had none, checked the electrical, he had power, power and ground, ground checked, uh -huh. did have command to it, so he pulls it out to change fuel pump, and the tank's empty. <laughs> his, hey, it happens. Well, that's right. We're, his we're, fuel we're kinda, gauge was wrong. And we're kind of laughing about it, it, but it is, does happen. Well, it does. His fuel gauge was wrong. It was showing a quarter tank, but actually he didn't have any gas in the tank. So yeah. kind of an embarrassment. But luckily he was able to put it back together, fill it up with gas, and he took <laughs> off. So. But, yeah, all sorts of things like that can happen. So while you're on there, just look around. There's that article. There's tons of others. Look around. I think you'll get a lot of good information. Maybe you save you a bunch of money, keep you from making a few big mistakes. That, it's an excellent site for honest information. That's right. Well, unbiased information, so much of what is on the Internet, and I'm on the net a lot because when I research articles, the first place I have to go is to the Internet and see different uh -huh. things on there. And a lot of what you find is either slanted or out and out wrong. Paid advertisement. It is. I remember I was writing an article a while back on nitrogen in tires uh -huh. and what i was looking for was unbiased information about nitrogen in tires because there's all sorts of people purporting all sorts of claims and what i found primarily was the folks who sell the machines that produce the nitrogen produce most of the articles right and these machines are a few thousand dollars so there's a big impetus there to profess that they're just the greatest thing in the world most of the other information that's on there are folks who have bought this machine for a few thousand dollars. We're right. trying to get their money back now <laughs> by selling this service. Exactly. And so they make just all sorts of ludicrous, unsubstantiated claims. And it's really hard for the average consumer, I guess, to go through and weed through this without a technical background. Right. But some of the things that you hear are, well, this is not going to leak out of the tire because the molecules of nitrogen are larger than the molecules of oxygen and on and on and on. And you stop and you think, say, well, okay, well, let's just back up a second. Regular air is 80% nitrogen. 
Right. It's only 20% oxygen. So let's say these little tiny oxygen molecules all leak out. Wouldn't you have pure nitrogen in the tire anyway? <laughs> there you go. There <laughs> yeah, you go. If it's such a problem, let's just fill them up with air. We'll let all the oxygen leak out, and we'll have mm-hmm. nitrogen in our tires. Just like we've been doing. Just like forever. That's right. Yeah. And every one of the claims that they make compares a fully inflated tire with nitrogen to an underinflated tire okay. with anything else. Well, that's not Well, it's not a comparison. That is exactly right. But if you compare a fully inflated tire with nitrogen to a fully inflated tire with air, there's no difference. Right. They're exactly the same. Now, I can compare an underinflated tire with nitrogen to a fully inflated tire with air, and I can make the same argument the opposite way. Exactly. So it's just the point. I guess we went a long way around the tree, but the point is a lot of the information that is on the Internet, since there is no regulation, which is a good thing, but you got to take it with a grain of salt. you got to see who is putting this information on there and what was their reasons for putting it on there. Right. Sometimes you have to go pages deep to get unbiased information. Well, that's right. Because the way Google and the search engines rank things is that the articles that have the most hits are going to be first. And, of course, the paid articles are going to be before that because you can pay for a higher rating. So if you ever go on to Google, you'll notice the little ads come up at the top and they have like a different little frame ramp. I always skip past those. Oh, yeah. Because I I know they're paid advertisements. And I don't want to see that. I want unbiased information. So I'm going to scan past all that stuff down to the real scoop. Exactly. And generally you'll find someone who's done a good in-depth article, and that's where you can get the true stuff. Like I so said, you may have to go several pages deep. Right. So, hey, we're going to take a quick little break, and we'll be right back with more on the Automotive Hour. Travel my way, take the highway, that's the best. Okay, look, you've been at the Red Box for 10 minutes and you've got about 30 movies. Yeah, you roll in here with that car with the brakes screeching and the bald tires, and then you ask to cut in line because you're in a hurry. Look, it is 2012, and according to the Mayan calendar, the world ends on December 21st. So, I'm trying to watch all the movies I can before then. So no car repairs either, right? Who's got time for that? Unless you believe the world will end this year, car maintenance and repair is not something to put off. Come to Agco Auto. Automotive and let us show you how we can keep your car in tip-top shape and operating at the lowest overall cost. So, no car maintenance? All movies till December 21st? Yep. I'm stocking up on all the classics, too. Gone with the Wind, Citizen Kane, Alvin and the Chipmunks, The Squeakwool. <laughs> I, I knew he was crazy. Yep. Want to learn more about why Agco is the place to go? Visit agcoauto.com. That's A-G-C-O-A-U-T-O.com. Welcome back. If you just join us, the Automotive Hour. I'm your host, Lewis Aldazan, with Mr. Brian Terry. Hey, three tools to try to answer any automotive questions you might have. Just give us calls, 499 9526. Of course, you put a 225 in front of it and get us anywhere in the continental United States. There you go. Possibly beyond. Well, a few more numbers, which I don't know what those are right off the top of my <laughs> head, but uh, anywhere in the world, really. That's right. Give us a call. We always appreciate hearing from you. It's a whole lot more interesting just hearing me and Blind stand here <laughs> babbling to ourselves. That's it. Talking during the break. And this is a topic I don't know that we've ever really covered on the show, but we get a lot of cars in that have say water leaking inside on the floor uh-huh and most of the time that is a air conditioning or heater related leak mm-hmm. that's but correct there are times that the air vent when the fresh air comes into the vehicle it has to come in through the cow somewhere that's right and park it underneath the trees any kind of trees pine trees oak trees it really doesn't matter anything that drops a leaf or something mm-hmm. will get in those vents 
and will actually stop the drains up. And there's there's a path for water, and then there's a path for air. That's right. And when the path for water, water gets stopped up, the water starts backing up to the air path and ends up on the floor inside the car. That's right. And what makes it, I guess, more insidious is that as these leaves get in, not only do they clog the vents, but as they start to break down because there's all sorts of little critters and bacteria and what have you, insects that'll get in there and eat the leaves. Uh-huh. Now they start to form other things, fungal residue and what have you, and that will start to plug things up even further down in the system. Correct. So it can get to be a really, really nasty mess. And the tip-off is when you park your car and you come out, when we're talking about the cow, we're talking about the area where the windshield wipers come through, the little grill at the base of the windshield. Right, between the back of the hood and the windshield, an area there that will take air in. Commonly referred to as the cowl area, uh, C-O-W-L. And that is where the air intake for your fresh air system is on virtually every car. And because it's designed for air to flow through, it has to be open to the inside of the car. Uh And that's how the air gets in. And there's also a system there designed to duck the water because rain also gets into it away from there. But as leaves and pine needles and whatever build up, they tend to get down in. And that is one of the biggest sources of problems not only that, we do see, like on a lot of the Ford products, when that plugs up, it will flood that area, which will wipe out the windshield wiper motor. Right. Like your Ford Crown Vic and your Mercury Grand Marquis and your Lincoln Town Car have problems with that. If that area gets restricted, the water backs up, which submerges the windshield wiper motor and module. And it doesn't take very long underwater for those to go out. So you can end up with a very expensive repair on your hands. So whenever you park, make sure there's no trees. And anytime you see leaves and stuff accumulating in that area, clean them away. Need to get them out as soon as possible. Yeah, because that is definitely going to turn into a big, big problem for you. Let's go to our phones with Russell. Good morning, Russell. Yes, sir. I'm calling. I got a 2001 F-250. Okay. And I've been having trouble when I stop at the red light or stop my truck. The transmission is messing up. And you put it in reverse, and it locks up, and you got to push the brake real hard or either take off wide open. And I took my truck, got the transmission rebuilt, and it's still doing the same thing. And I brought it to three mechanics, and none of them can tell me what's wrong with it. What you have to do is tell me what is a truck doing, and what is it act- what's actually occurring when you come to a stop. Well, what the mechanics told me, that that's what it's doing. They said, No, no, no. Yes, tell sir. me, when you come to a stop, what does a truck do? The light starts flashing on the overdrive. Okay. Then it's like, it feels like, like when you let off the brake. Uh-huh. You know how a, a truck will roll? Roll, yes. It don't do that. It's just like stop, like you got the brake on. Okay. And then when you go to take off, it don't go. You got to mash on the gas a little bit to get it to go. And then. I wonder, going, you don't think that's like the brakes hanging up, maybe? No, he said that it's taking off in third gear. Okay, so yeah. Well, that that would make sense. Computer, okay. mm-hmm. And the computer is showing when it's in park, it's going like five miles an hour. So one of my transmission place told me I changed the speed sensors. Yeah. That wasn't it. Yeah. I brought it and got the transmission rebuilt. Yeah. Well, that's not going to fix it. Mm-hmm. Up, and then it, yeah. I left from his place, it started doing it. Well, yeah, absolutely. See, Russell, that's an electronically controlled transmission, and what's happening, when it starts taking off in third gear, that's not a transmission problem. That's a command problem from the outside. It doesn't know what gear to be in, and you're going to the wrong people. You're going to people who are looking at symptoms. Now, I'm not saying the transmission wasn't burned up, because certainly if you drive it around taking off third gear, it's going to burn the transmission up real fast. 
But the problem is you rebuild it, it's going to burn it right back up again because you hadn't fixed the problem. What you need to do is get that to someone who's just a lot better at diagnostics, and that's not rocket science. You can look well, at everyone. Yeah, you can look at it. It doesn't state. matter how many places you took it to, Russell. You t- you're still at the wrong place. You need to get it to someone who knows what they're doing. They can go into the computer. They can see what the computer is commanding. If it's commanding third gear, then there's no use fooling with anything else. you got to find out why that is. See, the inputs that cause that are going to be stuff like the throttle position sensor, the map sensor. All these sorts of things are going to give inputs that are going to tell the computer what gear to put it into. Mm-hmm. That's where your problem is at. It could be something like a ground wire that somebody left off, and now the computer's not getting the sensor that it needs. But all of this stuff, the point I'm trying to make, all this stuff is really simple to diagnose for somebody who knows what they're doing. Anybody who would go in and rebuild a transmission and give it back to you with this still existing is not the right guy. You're in the wrong place. He, he's not capable of fixing this car. And well, I it's, brought it to a place that does all, like, I ain't going to name, but I, I brought it to a place yeah, that well, only works on diesel trucks. Yeah, you, it doesn't matter how many places you went. It doesn't matter how many people tell you. You're not in the right place. man. Anybody who would rebuild a transmission and give it back to you with that same problem, he ain't capable of fixing this. I don't care how many yeah, but, signs he's got. I don't care if he's a Ford dealer. I don't care who he is. He's not capable of fixing this problem. Besides the place that rebuilt it, Mm -hmm. I did bring it to another place. They're all wrong. Every one of them is wrong. Okay. (laughs) You got to go somewhere, somebody who knows what they're doing. And the way you're going to know you had a place that knows what he's doing is when you bring it in, they're going to say, what we're going to do is we're going to test this, we're going to test this, we're going to test this, and then we're going to tell you what's wrong. If they say, let's rebuild this, let's change this, you're in the wrong place. Right. They're going to ask you for your symptoms. What is the vehicle doing? That's right. They don't well, care what happened. They want to know what it's doing when you bring it in. That's right. And yeah, you sure. get in the truck and, and you show them what it's doing, right. and then they're going to start talking about testing. They're not going to start talking about changing parts. Or rebuilding well, parts. Or rebuilding they stuff. Put it on, they put it on the computer and yeah. drove it. Yeah. yeah. The computer hooked yeah. up, and they said it wasn't the computer. May not it be. Maybe a wire, maybe a sensor, maybe all sorts of things. It's the cylinder packing the transmission, so I had... Between two or three mechanics, I had them all fighting with each other. Yep. Now, between three of them, they, now they're working together trying to figure out what's wrong with yeah. it. And they still, I mean, this been going on a month. Yep. I'm out of money. Yeah, you ain't. You ain't well, yeah, absolutely, absolutely, ain't, and they ain't no closer than they were before. Right, and you you just haven't found the right place yet. That's right. This is not rocket science, Russell. We fix this kind of stuff every day, all day long, in probably less than about an hour to two hours time. A competent mechanic can tell you exactly what's wrong with that, and then from there, it's just a matter of fixing it. You know, anybody can buy a scan tool and look at yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. It, it takes just, a qualified technician to understand the information that it's giving. That's right. To know where to go and what to test. Mm-hmm. You're just and in the wrong just place. In the wrong place. Then, because I'm being to three. Yeah, right. You got to find a fourth one, and this time you one side knows what they're doing. Go on my website, look on the first page, and there's an article how to find a great shop. Read that article and listen to everything it says. And you're going to see when you start reading that, the place you're going to don't meet the criteria that's listed in that article. But you what just about a dealership? Well, try it and see. Would try. you recommend a dealership? Absolutely no. not. Okay. All right, because I, I know I've been messed over yeah. before by dealerships, yeah. so oh, yeah. stay away from there. Yeah. You now just got to find somebody who knows what they're doing, man. Truck. All right. Okay, well, man. All right, Russell. Thank you, man. Bye-bye. All right, 499-9526 is the number if you want to be part of the Automotive Hour. And we've got Charles on the line. Good morning, Charles. How are you, Lewis? I'm great. Thank you. Uh, I have a 98 Grand Marquis, mm-hmm. and the 
had an air conditioner problem about 3,000 miles ago. Okay. The cooling, electric cooling fan on the radiator up there yes, sir. was mm-hmm. working, mm-hmm. and I found out it had a burn contact on the plug on the harness. Okay. So I replaced that okay. and gone 3,000 miles, and it quit again, and yes, I sir. see that this plug is yes, burned. Sir. What happens, Charles, the reason that that contact burns is because the motor is drawing too much amperage. Uh, that's what I was going to ask you. Yes, sir. The, motor. the bushings go bad in the motor, and it starts to pull too much amperage. Usually, anytime you see a burn connection, that is a symptom of the problem and not the actual problem. Okay. So, what so you're going to have to do. Exactly. And if you want to verify that, there's a little device called an amp meter that you can put on the line and measure the amperage. It's supposed to have a sustained amperage of about 10 amps. Normally, they're pulling close to about 30 when that occurs. So, you got three times the amount of amperage the connector can stand, and it'll burn those connections up. But almost any time you see a burn connection, look at the load, and that's where your problem's going to actually be. Okay. All righty. Thank you very much. Thank you, sir. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. 499-9526. Number if you want to be part of the Automotive Hour, we'd love to have you. Take our quick little break and be right back with more on the Automotive Hour. Clint, what's with the huge crate? My 120-inch Platinum 3D TV. Splurging, huh? I'm putting it all on the credit card, and since the Mayan calendar predicts the world ending December 21st, I'll never have to pay it back. That would explain the giraffe and elephant in your backyard. Have you thought about fixing your car, buddy? Your old one is in pretty bad shape. Leaking oil, screeching brakes. My car can make it to December. Plus, I need money to complete my set of life-size Star Wars action figures. Yoda is an expensive one, he is. Unless you believe the world will end this year, car maintenance and repair is not something to put off. Come to Agco Automotive and let us show you how we can keep your car in tip-top shape and operating at the lowest overall cost. You know, if your car won't run, you can always ride your elephant. Great idea. Let me Google elephant license. Uh, Okay, you know I was joking, right? Want to learn more about why AGCO is the place to go? Visit agcoauto.com. That's A-G-C-O-A-U-T-O.com. Hey, welcome back. If you just join us, the Automotive Hour. I'm your host, Louis Alvazan, with Mr. Brian Terry. Hey, Trent Tools, try to answer any automotive questions you have. Just give us a call. 499-9526. We are talking to Russell there just a second ago, but what any good mechanic would do right off the bat if he's having a problem like that there's a box you can attach to it with lights that connect to the solenoids and you can see the commands of what's being commanded on uh-huh. and if third gear is being commanded on when it should be first gear there is no reason in the world to rebuild the transmission or to do anything else other than fix that one problem. Right, because you're just chasing symptoms. You're not chasing a problem down. That's right. We had a very, very similar problem with a very similar story behind it. It happened to be a Toyota, and it would go to first gear okay, but when it shifted to second gear, it would jerk real hard and go straight to third. Uh-huh. And the same thing, the transmission had been replaced, still doing the same thing, on and on and on. The lady had spent thousands of dollars. She'd even put a new computer in it, thinking that that's it, and that's about a $2,000 mistake. So I think she was out about five fifty five hundred $5,500 at this point. Right. She brings it in, and what Jeff actually found is that a wire had been left off. She had had the knock sensor work. They left a ground wire off on the back underneath the intake manifold. Okay. So that when the computer commanded second gear, it could not find a ground, so it would back up through the third gear, and second and third were being commanded on at the same time. But that type of thing takes a logical approach. It takes someone to say, hey, this is not a problem of changing parts. We can't change parts. We can't change our way out of this. We've got to diagnose this problem. 
And an honest mechanic is going to tell you, hey, I don't know. Take it to somebody else. Right. What a shyster is going to do is he's going to start throwing stuff at it, hoping to fix it. And you're going to end up paying the price. So you have to find the right guy. And it really doesn't matter how many people you've gone to. It doesn't matter how many signs they had or how much advertising they do or whether they're a dealership or not. The point is the only thing that matters is results. And if they're not getting results, then you got to find somebody else. That's right. Yeah, you can't keep doing the same thing and hope to get a different result. <laughs> <laughs> that's the definition of insanity, isn't well, it? Well, that's right. You're just not going to get anywhere because people are treating the symptoms. They're not treating the problem. Right. So anybody who would rebuild that transmission and give it back to you still taking off in third gear doesn't deserve to even have a sign out front. Exactly. That is ridiculous. I mean, I can understand him saying, hey, the transmission's burned up, but we've got to know why this happened. You know, don't just rebuild transmission and then you see us still doing the same thing. Give it back to the guy. Right. Come on, you know. Yeah. And you know you know he got charged for it. Well, absolutely. Hey, let's go to our phone line with John. Good morning, John. Good morning, guys. Good morning. Let me preface my situation with the question first. The okay. question is, is there any way I can get around this? Now, this is the situation. I have an 05 Tundra, 51,000 miles. Okay. Tire pressure sensor is flashed. The light on the dash is flashing. Yes. Okay. So I took it to the dealer just to see if they could do a diagnosis to yes. tell me uh-huh. what sensors were bad. Okay. okay. So they did that and looked at it and found that I had two sensors, low battery, and one was completely out. Uh-huh. Now they're telling me that, well, after they told me that, he flashed a number just to replace three sensors, $520. That's about correct. Yes, sir. You're, and then he said, I said, well, shoot, if we're going to replace all three, let's go ahead and, you know, let's do all five. Because if three are going out, one's right. on its way out. right. $825. That's correct. Right. Unbelievable. You know now, you got to my, thank for that, John? Oh, I know. I can thank Ford and Firestone for nope, that. Nope. But, Further up the food chain. I don't know. I'll, Bill Clinton, the 1996 <laughs> Tread Act, mandates that they have to put that on every car built in the United States. After 2007. If, you're light, if the light is flashing, you have a blowout, you can't blame the manufacturer. It's on you. Is that right? Well, you can't blame the manufacturer regardless. You rode tire low on air whether you got a light or not, so that's not a viable argument. It's yeah. just that that is mandated by law like so many other things. It's on there. It's part of the car. It has a maintenance cost, and guess who's going to get to pay it? Now, I mean, the only other thing you can do is ignore it like most people do ride around with light flashing. You know, There's no, well, no law that I, says you have to fix it. Well, what I've heard, and again, I don't know if it's true, is that Fairly soon, this will be part of the inspection process, and if any light is well, on on the dash, that could be. Who knows? They I mean, won't pass it. Well, that could be. I mean, I can tell you right now, we see an awful lot of cars come in that lights on, and yeah. people are not repairing it because of the obscene cost of doing it, and it has no value to them. It's right. just another example of the government coming in and saying, "Hey, you got to do this." You don't have right, a choice. Yeah. Had they said, okay, we've got this system, it'll monitor the tires, it's going to cost about $500 more on your car, and down the road it's going to cost you $800 to fix it, do you want it? No. What would and you say? Yeah. Yeah, well, what would the public say? No, we don't want it. Right. But yeah. they don't do that. What they do is they go through the government, they mandate it, it's on there. Now, yeah. after 2012, you got another little surprise, in fact, in 2012, called traction control. That's on every yeah. single car built after 2011. Yeah. Now, what that does is in about four or five years it goes out, and it's about $1,800 to fix it. Yeah. It does absolutely nothing. So yeah. what's the answer? Well, the answer is coming up here in November. Go down and vote, man. Absolutely. absolutely. <laughs> let, me, let, me ask you, let me ask you this. I was just kind of thinking about this. Mm-hmm. What, what would the possibility be of 
buying, looked online. I've even called a couple of people, yes. and there are some manufacturers that make aftermarket sensors. There are. But they okay. won't work with your Toyota system. Well, this, let me ask you this. What if I bought five sensors, mm -hmm. made a canister that would hold up to 50 PSI, <laughs> <laughs> put a Schrader valve in it, yeah. pump it up to 34 PSI, would you would you be able to read those? No. And, and no. You, you, see, know, the, you know The sensors asking? have to be programmed to the position that they're in. They each have an IP address, and they have the, to see that. And there's actually two receivers, one in each mirror, that actually takes the signals in. So, you know, you could probably spend $10,000 and get around it, but who knows, man. It's all integrated into the car. Other than just ignore the light, get your piece of black electrical tape, put it on the yeah, dash, that's about all you can do or pay the money to fix it. Yeah. Yeah, it's integrated into the computer system of the car. It's in the body control module. You can't take it out. All the aftermarket systems, you could put them on there, and they will duplicate what you got, but you're still going to have the light because you're not addressing the original problem that's built into the car. Yeah. Yeah, one oh, of those boy. things. Right now, there is no such law that it has to work. There's a law that has to be on there, but no law that it has to work. See, a lot of cars have a system, like some of the Nissan products, it may cost you up to $100 to get your tires rotated, and you have to relearn the sensors every time you rotate it. So well, who's going to pay that? This, I know that on this on this truck, there is a button, a reset button yeah. on the bottom of the steering column. Right, that's that just is, to relearn them when you rotate. Right, that is not... That's Which, all that is. But that's a good system that Toyota has. But see, Nissan doesn't have it. You have a scan tool. So most people are not going to cough up 100 bucks to rotate tires. So they're riding around with light on. So the system's doing absolutely no good. It's just yeah. being ignored. Yeah, I mean, I don't have the answer to you other than go vote and, you know, try to get some politicians, not nannies, that try to dictate every yeah. aspect of our life. Because yeah. if, like I said, that were offered to you and it, the benefit was explained, the cost was explained, I don't think a lot of people would have coughed up the bucks to get it. Well, there's only one person that I know of, and I know she's not listening, so I can say this. <laughs> Watch out now. <laughs> we have a Suburban. Uh -huh. I got a call. Oh, I have a flat tire. Uh -huh. So I ride out and go find the flat tire. The tire is completely, I'm not talking cut, it is shredded. Right, And right. I asked her, I said, what did you, she said, well, I smelled something burning, so oh, yeah. I decided to pull over. Yeah, okay. So she would benefit from this. You know? <laughs> probably but, not. Um, yeah, yeah, you're right. Probably not. Most yeah. likely, like ignored. she'd ignored it anyway. Right. Yeah. You know, right. Anybody yeah. would ride around a flat tire because you know it had to be pulling and shaking and wobbling oh, yeah. and making noise. I said, I said, you didn't hear nothing or yeah. feel nothing. If you ignored all that, what's that light gonna be to you? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so anyway. Okay, John. Okay, guys. Thanks, Thank call, man. All right, sir. Bye, bye. All right, 499-9526 number. If you want to be part of the Automotive Hour, we'd love to have you. Yeah, you can really sense the frustration in his voice. Oh, yeah. And I'm frustrated by that kind of stuff as well. And you just don't realize how much of that is on the cars. Today. Well, and all of it's different. Yeah, more and more and more every single day. Let's see if we can catch another call for a break. we got Ernest online. Good morning, Ernest. Good morning. Good morning. Uh, i got another transmission problem okay. here for you. Okay, I've got an one Jeep Cherokee. Okay. And I notice I've got a little spot under the car. Okay. And a couple months ago, I noticed when I got that stop sign, my transmission kind of slipped. Checked the transmission all, and it was low, about okay. a quarter and a half low. Yes, sir, that'll do it. So we put the transmission all in it and everything. Mm -hmm. Looked underneath it, and there's no leak around the oil pan. Yes, sir. But it looked like there's a little leak around the gasket, where the front gasket would be on the transmission. And I was just wondering, if it's just the gasket that was leaking. It's probably going to be the front pump seal. That's up above that and it runs down in that area not a major well let me it's, back up it depends on how much money you guys right. how major it is but 
if it's the front pump seal, you have to pull the transmission out, which is probably about a four-hour job on that vehicle, unless it's a four-wheel drive, in which case it's about a five-hour job, and then replace the seal and make sure the torque converter hub isn't messed up. Now, sometimes, too, Mark, there is a dipstick tube that goes in the side of that transmission, and there's an O-ring around that tube. It's kind of high up on the case. It can also leak there and run down and drip off where you're talking about. So what you need to do is just get it to someone who knows what to do and have them get it up on a rack where they can get under there and see exactly where the oil's coming out. There's probably about eight or nine places it can leak. Most of them are going to be fairly minor things. But I guess about the worst one is, is that front pump seal leaking. You're probably talking five, $600 repair. Not the end of the world, but, you know, not pleasant, but not right. a whole new transmission or anything. Right. But just you need to get a good diagnosis on it. Just what they do is they put it up on a rack. Worst case scenario, they can add some dye to the transmission fluid and take a black lightning and see exactly where it's coming out. So that's right. the kind of approach you want to take. You don't want to go to somebody, oh, yeah, well, maybe it's this. Let's change this. Well, no, 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 no. Maybe it ain't that. You know, I want an exact. I want to know because we get them in sometimes, and the two hoses up at the radiator, those cooler line hoses, will kind of break down and deteriorate. They'll only leak when the motor's running. And the air going under the car when the motor's running will blow them back, and they'll drip off on that bell housing. So right. here comes somebody. Well, first they do the yank transmission out, change the front seal. Well, now guess what? It's still leaking because it wasn't leaking sitting still. They didn't have the sense to look and see. But that kind of stuff happens a lot. So you got to be real careful to get a proper diagnosis. That's why you need to bring someone who has a culture of diagnosis in the shop. They're going to check right. it, and then they're going to tell you exactly where it's leaking. And you can always tell you in the right shop. When they tell you what it is, say, okay, that's great. I'm going to have you fix it. Do you absolutely guarantee me that when I get this back, it's not going to be doing this again? And if it is still doing the same thing, then what? And by their answer, you'll know if you're in the right shop or not. Right. If they say absolutely we guarantee it, if it ain't, we'll fix it for you free. Now you're in the right shop. Right. Because on the concrete, you know, you don't even see a wet spot. It's like stains the concrete. Yeah, well, see, transmission fluid is kind of pinkish, orange in color, and it's real thin. So when it hits concrete, it's going to kind of soak in. It just leaves a little clearer-looking spot. Right. And see, you may not see a lot on the concrete because a lot of leaks only leak when you're driving down the road. So when you come and park it, they're just going to be a little tiny drip. But going down the road, it's a steady drip. It may only leak when it's in gear going down the road, depending on what's leaking. Yeah, I understand. Okay. All right. Okay, Mark. Thank you, Lewis. Thanks, sir. Bye-bye. Okay. 499-9526 499-9526 is the number if you want to be part of the automotive fire. Mark, hold on. You'll be up straight after this break. Hey, Clint, what's that? Take a look. It's my bucket list of things to do before the world ends. Okay. According to the Mayan calendar, the world goes kaput on December 21st, 2012. I got lots to do, neighbor. Uh, bog snorkeling? Punch a whale? Compete in the World Toe Wrestling Championship? I see Meet Julia Roberts is scratched off. Yeah, got her autograph, too. Really? Well, it's on the restraining order. Hey, shouldn't repair my car be on the list? What? Your, your brakes, they're constantly squealing, it shimmies and shakes and leaking oil all over I the think bu- I can make it to December. Unless you believe the world will end this year, car maintenance and repair is not something to put off. Come to Agco Automotive and let us show you how we can keep your car in tip-top shape and operating at the lowest overall cost. Hey, um, isn't this one here illegal? Not in Tijuana, my friend. Want to learn more about why Agco is the place to go? Visit agcoauto.com. That's A-G-C-O-A-U-T-O Hey, 
Welcome back. If you just join us, the Automotive Hour. I'm your host, Louis Aldazan, with Mr. Brian Terry. Hey, between two of us, try to answer any automotive questions you might have. We're going to go right straight back to our phone lines with Mark. Good morning, Mark. Thanks for holding. Yes, sir. Good morning. Good morning. Yes, sir. How y'all doing? Doing, doing great, great, sir. Good, good, man. I'm just talking about the cooling system on my Honda Odyssey. All right, sir. I mean, it just, I've taken it to several places. They wash out the uh, thermostat. And what kind of problem are you having, Mark? What's it doing? Well, it's just running hot. It's running hot. Mm -hmm. And uh, when it runs hot. When does it run hot, Mark? Does it run hot when it's sitting still at an idle? Does it run hot going down the road? Or when does it get hot? Yeah, when it's sitting still and when it's going down the road. I mean, it's like I've. Put it on the side now. Yeah, well, let me ask you this. When you come to a stop, it starts getting hot. When you start yeah. driving, does it start getting cool again, or it just keeps getting hotter? Yeah, it starts to act like it want to get cool again. Okay, and if you drive it, say, 40, 50 miles an hour, it'll cool back down? Yes, sir. Okay, that's going to be an airflow issue, Mark. That's not going to be the radiator or the thermostat or anything like that. There are two electric cooling fans on that, and they may not be running, or they may not be running at the right speed, or they may not both be running. But when it overheats at an idle, what you have is an airflow issue, not a cooling system issue. So your thermostats and stuff like that, if the thermostat were stuck closed, the more you drove it, the hotter it would get going down the road because that's when it's highly loaded. A capacity issue will be driving down the road. The harder you run it, the hotter it will get. Whereas a airflow issue, it'll be okay going down the road 60 miles an hour because I got a 60 mile an hour wind going through that radiator. But yeah. when I come to a stop, I don't have any air going through it. That's when I'm depending on the fans to move the air. So I would be looking at those cooling fans, and it doesn't mean the fans themselves are bad because there's a sensor that turns the fans on, there's a module that controls the fans, there's some wiring, there's several yeah. things like that. But the thing is, they can even be turning and not turning fast enough. So yeah. you need to have it to someone who knows what they're doing to test the fans, make sure they're coming on. If they're coming on, they're coming on at the right speed. And if they're not, to diagnose why that is occurring. Because going into the cooling system and changing thermostats and all that is never going to get close to that. I don't know if you've been listening to the whole show or not, but yeah, every single call we've got today is kind of has one central theme, and that is they're going to people who are not diagnosing the problem. And that's yep. such a common issue today. Just because a guy hangs out a shingle and says, I fix cars, doesn't mean he knows yep. what he's talking about. That's Unfortunately, right. there's tons and tons of guys out there who are in the auto repair business who ain't got a clue. I mean, they don't know as much as you do about it. Yes. And, you know, what they do is they start throwing parts at it, hoping to fix something. And cars have just gotten so complex today that they're going to run you out of money before they have a hit on the problem. Exactly. Because they're not using a logical approach. I mean, See, when you gave me the question, the first thing I asked, when is it overheating? Well, if the shop doesn't That's do right. that, they're, they're not yeah. ever going to get close to that problem because they're not getting the right complaint, you see. Yeah. So, yeah. But, yeah, you're going to find that problem in an airflow issue. Now, that could be something as simple as it's got a bird nest stuck between the AC condenser and the radiator. Yeah. But it's going to be something to do with airflow through the radiator. So that would be okay. the first place I would start is with those cooling fans. I appreciate that. All right, sir. Okay. Thank, thank you. you. Bye-bye. Alright, 499-9526 number. If you want to be part of the automotive hour, we'd love to have you. And we've got Ken online. Good morning, Ken. Uh Lewis, how you doing today? Doing great, sir. Lewis, I just a quick note, I've worked with your dad at the refinery for many years. Really? Just a fine, fine man. Well, thank you, sir. Lewis, here's the problem and here's a question. This is a Volkswagen, which really doesn't matter, but driving down the road it started pulling to the right. Okay. And I thought, okay, wheel alignment. So I thought, let me check something so i moved the left or right just in the front yes sir then it started pulling to the left okay 
then I thought, okay, let me move the left front to back, rotate that. Yes, sir. Still slightly pulling to the left. Yes, so sir. that's the problem, and my question is, what are your thoughts? That is a tire problem, Ken. The problem is called conicity, and conicity is the habit of a tire causing the car to pull. You, you kind of gave it away when you said you crossed tires and it went the other way. Well, nothing changed except the tires at that point. Now, when you went right to left, you didn't take a known good tire and bring it to the front. What you did is you took another tire and brought it to the front. Right. It's highly possible that you got another bad tire, and you could actually swap those side to side. If it goes right, you can confirm that. But until you get that issue resolved, in other words, until we can move the tires right to left and it has no effect on the car, then we don't have an alignment issue that we know of. Now, it's not to say that you don't have an alignment problem and a tire problem or on and on and on, all kinds of combinations of things. But when you cross the tires and it pulls the opposite way, you have to stop right there, resolve that issue before you do anything else. And that is a warrantable defect in a tire, Ken. What that means is as long as there is rubber left on that tire tread, that is under the warranty of the manufacturer. The way that normally works, let's say the tires have 5 30 seconds of rubber remaining. Well, a new tire has 10 30 seconds, so 50% of the tire remains. You would pay about half the price of a new tire, and it should give you new tires. And as long as you're crossing tires and it pulls the other way, don't go any further because any money you spend is going to be wasted until that issue is resolved. Now, let's say you get a new set of tires. It's still pulling slightly to the left. You cross tires and it's still pulling slightly to the left. Well, now we've got another issue. Right. You know, we just had a combination of things. And that is possible as well because I could talk to you for three days about things that will make a car pull left or right. One other thing you would do once you get your tire problem resolved is get it up to about 50 or 60 miles an hour with it pulling and then kick it into neutral and see if it starts going straight. And if it does, put it back in gear and see if it starts going back to the left. And that's what they call a torque steer. And Volkswagen is a kind of notorious for that. What happens if one wheel is pulling slightly harder than the other, and it's normally the left wheel because that's the way that engine torques, it can make you torque over that way. And that can be resolved sometimes just by shimming the engine supports to level the engine out and all that sort of thing. But we're kind of putting the cart in front of the horse. Until you rotate tires side to side, it makes no difference. Don't do anything else but that. Yeah. Probably a year ago, I had a lot of work done on that car at uh, Volkswagen, uh -huh. and they did redo the motor mounts and things yes, like that. And we may have two problems, very likely. But again, what I would do next, Ken, is I would rotate the tire that's now on the left front to the right front. If it continues to pull left, well, then we probably got an issue like that. But if it goes to the right, you got to resolve that tire problem before you go any further because anything you do is fighting a tire, and a tire is going to win. There's no adjustment that you can make to get rid of a tire pull. Right. Uh, we see it all the time, Yeah. at least two or three a week. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. The, the level of tires that are out there today are, are just junk. deplorable, man. Yeah. Some, some really bad tires on the market. I think we'd... Dropped him there. Go back to our phone lines. We got Joe in line. Good morning, Joe. Good morning, Lewis. How you doing? Doing great, sir. I got a little problem with a 1998 Montero Sport. Okay. You put the key in ignition, it won't turn. Sometimes it will and sometimes it won't. Uh -huh. There's no, no wind. It's yes, like sir. Ox up. When you try to turn, the key just physically will not rotate a turn? Right, it won't. Okay, what you do first, check. Next time it occurs on you, grab the steering wheel and put a little bit of light pressure one way or the other way and see if it'll turn. Well, sometimes that'll work and sometimes it won't. Okay. Well, you need to find out for sure because they have a lot of trouble on the Mitsubishis. They use a real fine spline in that little gear and that locks the steering wheel. 
And if you pull up and park and there's any pressure on the steering wheel and you turn the key off and you take it out and you let go of the steering wheel, it's not going to turn next time you go back. You have to relieve that pressure. So you need to make sure, and, and the Montero is just a little bit finer. All cars do that. Most of them use a bigger gear, so it just happens a lot less. But try, when you pull up, make sure that you're completely straight and neutral and there's no pressure on the wheel before you turn the key off. And if the problem goes away, then that's what it is. Now, if the problem persists after that, then you're into something in the steering column. It could be... Could, could be, be the tumblers the, in the key the ignition itself. The, yeah, the lock cylinder itself could be going bad. I mean, Have you tried another set of keys? A different yeah, key? Yeah, that won't work either. It won't yeah. work. Okay, then you're into something probably like Lewis was saying. Either the steering wheel's holding the pressure on the cylinder... Or something down in the column is actually holding pressure on it. Yeah. yeah. It's not supposed so to. So just try making extra sure when you pull up that there's no pressure on that wheel at all. You'll kind of turn it both ways, neutral it out, and then turn the key off. If the problem goes away, that's what it is. I've had a lot of complaints on that car and a few others with that kind of an issue because they do use a finer gear than most. You know, If it's got a big gear there with six teeth on it, it's not going to hardly ever happen. If you got a gear with 24 teeth on it, it's going to happen more often. So can you fix that? Well, the fix is just being more careful when you park and that there's no pressure on the thing. It's, designed, it's, it's the design of the car if that's what the problem right. is. You just got to determine for sure that's what the problem is. If that's not it and it's a locked cylinder, yeah, it can be fixed. You just have to replace the locked cylinder. And I'm sorry, we're just completely out of time. If you have any more questions about it, just go ahead and send me an email on www.agcoauto.com and I'll get you a more full answer. We'd like to thank all our podcasters for listening this week and every week and tell your friends and Go on iTunes and give us a rating. Yeah, we really, really appreciate, appreciate that. I think we got 51 of them in there now. I'd That's sure great. like to hit 55. There so you go. <laughs> <laughs> give us a rating. Hey, we appreciate you listening. Free seating was opinion based on our experience in the automotive industry. Have a great weekend.